You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Do you find it hard to sleep at night? Then the Sleep Cove Podcast can help you. Hi, I'm Christopher Fitton, the voice and clinical hypnotherapist behind Sleep Cove. Sleep Cove features sleep hypnosis, meditations and bedtime stories, all designed to help those of you who struggle at night to achieve a restful and peaceful night's sleep. Search for Sleep Cove on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and see why Sleep Cove helps millions of people sleep deeply all night long. Do you find it hard to sleep at night? Then the Calm Cove podcast can help you sleep deeply all night long. Calm Cove has deeply relaxing meditation music and ambient sounds like ocean waves and crackling fires. All of our episodes are designed to help you relax and to fall asleep fast. Calm Cove is brought to you by the team behind Sleep Cove, the sleep podcast that consists of spoken word hypnosis, meditation and stories. So if you want to listen to a beautiful soundscape tonight, search for Calm Cove on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and see how we're helping millions of people relax and go to sleep every night. Hello, I'm Teresa McKee, your host for A Mindful Moment. Thank you for joining me as we explore ways to increase mindfulness in our day-to-day experiences. In addition to our regular weekly podcast, We also have the privilege of interviewing experts from around the world to further our understanding of how to live mindfully. Michael Keat was a high school dropout and at the age of 21 was labeled as underprivileged with no relevant education or work experience. He earned his degree in accounting and finance and within nine years, Michael went from underprivileged to finance director at the age of 30 before becoming an entrepreneur and developing online accounting software to help small business owners. He is also a certified mindfulness coach and has been published in and interviewed by the Dutch Financial Times along with other local newspapers. Michael currently resides in Nord, Brabant, the Netherlands. Moneyfulness shows us how we think about money, how we prevent money from coming to us, and how we can change our mindsets in order to secure financial success. In addition to stories about real people, it provides effective strategies to change our thinking about money and step-by-step financial exercises to get our money on track through a mindful lens. Welcome, Michael. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hello, Theresa. Thanks for having me. Looking forward. Me too. This was very interesting, a whole new system, so I'm excited to talk about it. But I thought maybe first we could talk about your story, your experiences that led you to create a financial system for success. Basically, uh, I've experienced quite a lot of things. When I was uh, young, at the age of 21, I was labeled underprivileged, lost for society, no good for society, kicked out of school, no good for nothing. Then I got that label, which uh, gave me access to a fund to start uh, studying again. So I was allowed to go back to school for a year. And then I started educating myself on the financial area, more, more or less accounting. Uh, later on uh, to uh, economics, and I finally got my uh, my MBA. So finally, everything came all right. It was a rough start, and in the beginning, 
I didn't have that much money because I was working in factories. So I really didn't have a dime to spend. But at the age of 21, I started learning again. I got my, my way up, let's put it like that. And at the age of 30, I found myself in a place as a finance director of a company that employed over 400 people with the salary attached to that position. So I came from not having anything to being a finance director in a, a huge company. I did that for about 14 years and I had a big salary, but I was always constantly worrying, what if I lose my job? What, what, what will happen? I will lose my house. I will lose my family. I will lose blah, 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 whatever you, you think you can lose. But it, of course, it didn't happen because what I know now, but I didn't know back then, your mind can make up all kinds of stories for the future that will never, ever happen. About uh, at the age of 42, uh, 43, I started my own company. So again, my income was already uh, downsized to, uh, let's say, less than 50% of my income as a finance director, but we anticipated, so that was okay. I had a, a software company and an accounting and tax company. So it cost me tens of thousands of euros. I wasn't really, I, personally, I was in debt. But when I started my company, I started doing all kinds of education, including personal development. And that's why I already also ran into mindfulness. And then I started wondering, because when I was in debt, I had to pay uh, the IT company, I didn't have that much stress, like 10% of the stress I had when I was an employee as a finance director. They started wondering me. I thought, how is that possible? I, I, I don't have any money. I'm in debt. I don't feel the stress or hardly any stress. And then I started wondering, how is that possible? And then I combined the mindfulness part because I'm also a mindfulness coach. Uh, and then I combined those two and I, I came up with uh, moneyfulness because in the financial world, there's so much stress about finances. That's, that's incredible. And I want to help people to reduce the stress about their finances. A lot of people have stress about money. You note in the book that 72% of Americans experience stress about their finances and that money is the biggest cause of stress in America. Yet there's no mention of stress reduction in mindfulness. And you even experienced resistance from mindfulness trainers on this. So I'm wondering if you can tell me why you think that is. Like, what's the problem with money and mindfulness? Well, the, the exact reason why they were so resistant on the financial topic combined with, with mindfulness, I really never, ever got it. But my guess is, what I understand is the, the two worlds are so far apart. And it's a lot of people say, oh, you're a financial guy. You don't do mindfulness. <laughs> if you're doing mindfulness, oh, you don't do anything with money because money is dirty or whatever your conviction is. So my guess is that the two worlds were so far apart that it's, it's, it's too hard to combine for a lot of people. But I think they, they match perfectly. That's my challenge to, to tell it to the people. <laughs> yeah. And I'm glad you did. It was very interesting. And I really resonated with the, what you wrote in the book. You talk a lot about mindset because that's really at the heart of this, right? What happens yeah. if we have a negative mindset about money? If you have it, it's usually very hard to find what it, why you have the negative mindset and where it comes from. When the seed is planted to grow to that huge thing, huge fear or huge negative thing about money. And usually that's, that's somewhere located in, in your childhood and mostly in the somewhere between, uh, let's say, your early memory started between the age of four and eight years old because then you have no critical mind doesn't question is it true what i hear or what is happening is it, everything is true 
let me give you a really good example. Um, everybody has somewhat like grandpa or granddad or uncle that gives you from the best intentions, giving you, here, you have five bucks. You can go go buy an ice cream, but don't tell your mom and dad. Don't tell them. It's our secret. It's our secret. So imagine the mind of the, of the seven-year-old. Hmm, money is a secret. Hmm, damn, I have to lie to my parents about money. Ooh, I don't want to have anything to do with money because I don't want to lie to my parents. So that's a small seed with the best intentions from grandpa, grandma, or an uncle or an aunt to give them some extra money. But then it happens one, two, three times, the seed is planted. And then the neural pathway in your brain starts running. I don't want to have anything to do with money because I have to lie when it comes to money. Uh, I have to cheat or whatever. It starts growing in your mind. And if you run the same neural pathway hundreds of thousands times, it's, it's really hard to find when it, when it started and to change it, to change the, the path you, you ran over about 100,000 times. So there are so many different possibilities, seeds that can be planted. Pocket money, for example. How did you get your pocket money when you were a kid? Did you have to work for it? That's another one. That's where the seed is planted from. You have to work for your money. You have to work hard for your money. If you had to do some chores in households or that you even had, had to clean the entire house or whatever you had to do. And did you have to go and beg for your money with your parents or did you just get it and go and do with it whatever you want? There's so many things. But the way you got it and if you had to work for it, work for your money. That's also a conviction a lot of people have. Free money doesn't exist. Well, there is, but for a lot of people, that's that's a negative mindset. I actually, it took me a long time. I had a lot of money trouble when I was younger. And it took me a long time to, I had to unwind. Like, what is wrong with this? I didn't have a problem making money. Mm -hmm. I was uncomfortable holding money, right? So I would spend yeah. it, give it away. And it came from uh, going to church by myself as a child. So there was mm -hmm. no one to explain kind of what I was hearing with adults. And of course, that old money is the root of all evil stuck in me. So I understood it was okay to make money because you had to pay your bills or whatever, but it wasn't okay to have money. And it took me a long time to go, I've got to stop this. Because <laughs> yeah. guess what? I always had just enough money to scrape by, you know, instead of having any kind of security or savings or, you know, yeah. month to month, paycheck to paycheck. And a lot of people are in that boat. So oh. everybody has a, a financial comfort zone. And let's say your, your comfort zone is this level. And let's say you win the lottery. When you win over 5 million in a lottery, this is way above your comfort zone. If you don't adjust your comfort zone to the to your new level, you will start sabotaging yourself just until you fit back into your comfort zone. In the trainings and uh, when I'm on stage, I ask a lot of people, if you win 5 million, do you think you will have to work ever in your life? And let's say 80% says you don't have to work. Well, a lot of people want to work. But that's okay. But 80% says, no, I never have to work. It's exactly the opposite. After a period from three to five years, 80% of the people that win a lottery prize from, let's say, 5 million is back to bankruptcy or to fit within their financial comfort zone. Yeah. So yeah. it's got everything to do with your mindset and how you think about money and you handle it. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think you're right, though. So much comes from our belief system that got established somewhere early in childhood. And we just assume that's the way it is. And it's not. You can change it. You cover how fear and worry prevent us from being able to seize opportunities 
and that one of the ways to reduce worrying is mindfulness meditation, which you alluded to in your story about learning mindfulness. But why do you think that's so helpful? Well, when it comes to seizing opportunities, the biggest barrier for people to start something or to do something is money because their mind can make up a thousand stories. What can go wrong? And they don't want to lose the money because if it's, if they're within their financial comfort zone. So that's, that's the biggest barrier. That's, that's a fear of getting out of their comfort zone and out of their financial comfort zone. And if you start meditating and acknowledging the fear you have, the way you think about money, the way you handle it and give it a place, just telling yourself this is the place that it is and that's what it is, accept it. And then it's uh, the, the barrier to, to start something new or to invest money or whatever you want to do with it is, is lower than before. So and that's how mindfulness and meditation can help you to overcome the fears of the, of the future because yeah, fear is uh, based or reliving the past or most yeah. of it fear for the future. Yeah. You include neuro-linguistic programming as a tool to help you feel more empowered and to make better decisions. Can you explain what that is for our listeners in case they're not familiar with it since we're mostly focusing on mindfulness in this program? Yeah. Like I said, I did some personal development trainings and I'm not an NLP practitioner, but I did some trainings regarding NLP. And I found there are some really helpful techniques that can help you to reduce the stress and I think the uh, black and white rewind is a little bit too long to describe, but let's say uh, if you exaggerate everything, like you have a financial problem and I'm doing it uh, the short version <laughs> uh, and you start exaggerating and yes, I know there are people in Africa starving, but my problem is really bigger. Their problem is nothing. I know they're dying. I don't have, they don't have anything, but my financial problem is really, really the big problem. I know there's a tsunami. But my problem is, yeah, then your brain starts telling me, oh, 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 now, now you're going the wrong way. And then if you do it a couple of times, your stress level will start to reduce and see it in a normal perspective. Um, because what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And if, if you're, you're, your fear and your worries can reduce that because you start normalizing it. And another one is just, uh, and I'm not going to do that. Uh, I do it in a the, in the theater show, but you can also use a sexy voice. Just do it in your mind because you don't want to have, you want to hear anybody else talking to you in, in, in their sexy voice. <laughs> just talking about your problem. And then also your, your brain starts telling you, nah, nah, <laughs> this isn't real. And then it starts being a joke. And when it's a joke, it's, it reduces your stress level. So that's just two of the three uh, NLP techniques I use to reduce the stress. Excellent. Yeah, I mean, I think recognizing that we can use a tool in itself is a mindful act. I actually wasn't familiar with meditation when I was having my money exploration. Um, mm -hmm. I use tapping is what I use to eliminate that okay. root cause. But yeah. and, and that's why I appreciate you sharing that because sometimes a lot of people don't even realize these techniques are available and that you can learn them and they're so beneficial. So thank you. Yeah, and so, so easy to use and so yes. easy to learn. So you also talk in the book about the importance of where we place our attention. So can you talk a little bit about that? Everything you focus on will grow. Everything you put your attention to will grow. So if you just don't pay attention to your finances, it's hard to imagine that they will grow. It, do, it doesn't grow automatically. If you, do, if you don't water a plant, it won't grow. If you don't pay attention to your money, to your financial skills, to it just doesn't happen. It, it just flips through your fingers. It's, it's, it'll be gone. And uh, if you manage your money, because that's basically, there's also one of the things, just 
a lot of people don't manage their money, so they don't pay attention to their money, to their finances. If you don't pay attention to it, it's, it's not developing. I thought it was great that you cover a lot of these theories and general information about money. And then you talk really a lot about the mindset, because again, that's the key to shifting how the money's going to come to you going forward or how you're going to earn it. But you also include very, what could be seen by some people, maybe in the financial world as very almost simplistic steps to take, but a lot of people don't know the steps to take, how to create the budget, how to categorize expenses, you know, all of those things that are why we don't learn it when we're in school, I'm not sure, <laughs> unless you take <laughs> economics. But I used to be an accountant and I learned it all after school. I had to learn it you know, separately. Yeah. But that's what it takes. It takes the attention. Mm-hmm. It, it takes spending some time, dedicated time to it. Yeah. And we do it for other things. But for some reason, many people just don't want to look at the money part. So, <laughs> yeah. and also, but there, there are no complex formulas in it because it's, right. it's, you just add the money, deduct the money and, and you have your budget. But yeah. it's, the budgeting is all about making choices. And that's also something would ha- which happens in your mind. You can, you can spend a dollar just once and uh, you can invest, you can invest it, you can spend it, whatever you want to do it, but just do it consciously. That's also one of the uh, things I, I tell ones that are in my, my trainings. If you spend your money, if you, uh, whether it's a card or, or physically paper or a coin, just three seconds before you hand it over to the cashier or you just swipe your, your credit card through the, uh, the machine. Three seconds. What is in my basket? Is it worth it? Do I want to pay for it? How does it feel? Three, two, one, and then pay it. Or just a lot of people start, hmm, go back, put something back or whatever. And so that you can do it in a, in a shop, but also uh, when you're shopping online, of course. That's, it's easier when you're shopping online. Just just pause a little bit before the, the click button, where you hit the button <laughs> to pay the, what you, you want to have. I think that's great advice. I actually do that with Amazon because I, I started seeing a lot of Amazon deliveries. <laughs> a lot of, of what I'm buying is for work, but at the same time, that's money too, right? So I started doing this thing where I select what I think I need to buy. And then instead of clicking purchase, I actually get off this chair and walk away. Go get a drink of water, go do something. And then I come back and look again. And a lot of times now what I've noticed is as I'm looking, I'll go, I don't really need that one. You know, so I'm, I'm still placing an order usually, but it does that, that little pause gives you time to, it's not an impulse buy. It's not a knee jerk reaction. It's so I, I think that's great advice. I do want to thank you so much for bringing the two topics together, money and mindfulness, because I think that is actually a beautiful marriage for us to not only get our finances on track but to have a much better relationship with money. Where can people find out more about your moneyfulness program? Moneyfulness.com. And okay. uh, we'll put a copy of the book up on our website as well. It's available now. Thank you very much. And I thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. That's, uh, it was great interview. Thank you. Thanks again to Michael for showing us how to mindfully manage and enhance our finances through his moneyfulness system. Again, you can connect with Michael at moneyfulness.com and you can find a link to his book and see our full interview on amindfulmoment.com Until next time I encourage you to meditate daily and be mindful in all of your everyday activities Simply bring your full awareness to the present moment to build your mindfulness skills Paying attention to every detail of what you're doing from washing dishes to work tasks to taking a walk. Your mind will wander, 
and that's normal. Each time you notice it has wandered, that's mindfulness. Consider how wonderful the world could be if everyone was mindful. You can help make that happen. It all starts with a mindful moment. Please subscribe to A Mindful Moment. And if you'd like to support us, we would deeply appreciate you visiting patreon.com slash a mindful moment. Follow us on social media at A Mindful Moment Podcast. Visit our website, amindfulmoment.com, to access podcasts, scripts, and book recommendations. A Mindful Moment is written by Teresa McKee. The English version is hosted by Teresa McKee, and the Spanish version is translated and hosted by Paola Tile. Post-production and talent booking, Melissa Sims. Intro music, Retreat, by Jason Farnham. Outro music, Morning Stroll, by Josh Kirsch, MediaWrite Productions. Thank you for tuning in. This podcast is produced by Work to Live Productions. 